Hello everybody, my name is Darren, I write a blog, it's called A Demon's Voice, it's about movies and shit like that. Uh, you can find it at demonsvoice.blogspot.com, and I'm also on Twitter, at demonsvoice, of which you should definitely follow me, because why the fuck not? Hi you all, have you had a good week? Mine's been shit as usual, because this is the shittest year in since recorded history. You know, yeah, worse than the war, get fucked. I asked my friend what he would do before, because I was bored, if I gave him £250, and he had an hour to spend it. He said, an hour? Ooh, I'd probably buy some video games. I said, okay, what if I give you a day? A day, he repeated, to spend £250. I don't know, I'd probably try and buy some drugs. I obviously won't mention his name because of that last answer, but if you're wondering, he does have the same name as the famous British comedian Greg Davis. Oddly, when I asked my anonymous friend Greg about what he'd spend £250 on, he didn't answer a cameo message from the actor Michael Madsen. Have you heard of Cameo? It's a website that celebrities have gone on, celebrities have gone on with their begging bowl, and that they charge people insane amounts of money for a personalised message on. Kind of like an OnlyFans, but for people who are a lot more boring. Although, just as many wankers, it turns out. There's one actor on there called Jim O'Hare? Her? Jim O'Hare? He's apparently on Parks and Rec, but based on his profile picture, I thought it was Sinbad from Brookside. That's £115, I'm never getting back. So let's say you happen to want a personalised message from Michael Madsen, then this is the exact... This is a transcript, I've copied it down, of what you'll get. This is from Michael Madsen. Good morning, this is uh, Michael Madsen in a cameo for uh, Aaron. I wanted to congratulate you on your uh, research grant. That's pretty cool. I don't have one of those, and uh, I'm happy to send you a congratulations. And, uh, and um, a lot of people care about you out there, and, and, um, and I hope you have a good day. And, uh, and I don't have a research grant. Ha 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 ha. I wish I did. I'm just an actor. Anyway, um, have a good day, and congratulations. 250 quid that'll cost you. Fucking hell. There's cheaper ways to have Reservoir Dogs ruined for you than that. There are also cheaper people on Cameo, it turns out. There are people on there for about 83p. I've never heard of them, but that's about the cost of a first-class stamp. So I've just been hiring them out as a mouthpiece to people. A mouthpiece to uh, tell people things that I want to tell them. Uh, you know, relatives have died, or... I don't know, deliver a ransom message. I've been getting him to send messages to girls I like. That's the only the cameo guy. You know, just to tell them I'm horny and I'm thinking about them. In fact, this guy is so cheap that I've been having him deliver messages to me from my to my own OnlyFans page, which I've set up, and which costs him more to subscribe to, so I'm essentially just printing my own money. I do still wank for him, though. Uh, it's been a long lockdown, hasn't it? I'm talking shit, you know it, I know it. But there is a film on Amazon Prime which is actually good and that I can't recommend enough. It is called The Vast of Night, and here is the closest that I will ever get to an actual review to explain to you why it is good. So sit back and enjoy. Cheers! Incredibly, I once found myself preparing to go out on a date with an actual human lady, and so to make the most of this rare event, I decided to buy myself some breath mints. Why are you getting them, my friend asked. I stick a mint under my foreskin, I joked. That way my date will have minty fresh breath when she kisses me after a blowjob. Really? my friend asked in awe like a total fucking moron. No, I bluntly responded. Obviously fucking not. But had I actually done that, then in many ways that breath mint stored snugly up my cock would have been very much like the film The Vast of Night, in that it took me completely by surprise, but was an absolute treat nonetheless. In honesty, it's been a few days since I saw the film, but such was its power that I think I'm still yet to begin breathing normally again. 
I watch a lot of films, and as with all of life, the majority of everything is shit, and ultimately nothing more than a loading screen of mundanity to tie us all over before we fucking die. But every so often you'll take a bite out of that one incredible piece of fruit, or hear that one perfect piece of music, or have that one life-changing mega-wank, and suddenly all of the other efforts will have been worth it for having led to that one monumental moment. The Vast of Night was one of these epiphany experiences, and without any real poetic skill to express how I truly feel about it, I'll simply have to settle for telling you that I loved every single fucking second of it, with every single fibre of my motherfucking piece of shit heart. The film tells the story of two teenagers in the 1950s that one night hear a strange and unexplainable sound. We've all been there, right? Although in our case it's usually the pipes of our house expanding as our imagination gets the better of us, or even next door being interrupted from their semi-yearly sex session by their dog taking a shit on the bedroom floor. In the case of The Vast of Night, these noises are a lot more alien in feel, which leads to the switchboard operator Faye calling her radio presenter friend Jake to say, I had to phone someone so I picked on you, hey, that's far out so you heard it too. Well, they're not her exact words, obviously, they're David Bowie lyrics. But essentially, Faye does suspect that there's a star man waiting in the sky who'd like to come and meet us, but she thinks he'll stick a probe up her anus. Maybe. She never actually mentions the anal probe fear that I think that we all share when it comes to extraterrestrial intruders, but she does seem very excited to find out the answer as to what might be causing that hazy cosmic jive. Could it be those pesky Russians as they plan to invade the dusty backyard town in which Faye and Jake live? Like smoking a joint and then visiting a fortune teller who happens to guess your name correctly, there's certainly a strong and palpable sense of paranoia throughout this movie. Or, could it actually be something more exciting even than that? Are we really being watched over by a squiddly diddly species of saucer flying aliens? Because my friend Greg has a tentacle fetish and that would really make his fucking day if we were. The Vast of Night utilises a wealth of cinematic devices in order to tell the story, with one of the most interesting being the way in which it bookends itself with a Twilight Zone-esque intro and outro. This not only adds to the sense of period and genre, but also sets the film in an almost Lynchian other world that's not quite real, but also not quite a dream. As I wrote that last sentence, uh, which I've just read out, I was interrupted by a phone call from my mum, who asked what I was up to. I explained to her about this film and read her that last sentence back, as I was improvising an off-the-cuff review, kind of like I'm doing now, in an attempt to impress her with my analytical skills. But she said that she had no idea what I was talking about and explained how I sometimes sound like I'm a pretentious dick who thinks he's smarter than he is, and that she's convinced she brought the wrong baby back from the hospital all those years ago. Bit harsh? The point is that this film might quite firmly set itself in a small town in America, as it experiences what is essentially the plot of a 1950s B-movie, but as much as the filmmakers might revel in the nostalgia of its period setting, the film never tips over into a wanky fetishization of that time in the way that something like, I don't know, a Stranger Things might do in regards to the 80s. It was after I explained that to my mum that she hung up the phone, although admittedly she hadn't really been on board with my deconstruction of this film, since I opened by comparing it to having a breathman shoved up my dick. The bulk of the film appears to consist of long discussions and monologues in which information is slowly teased out of its characters, and it honestly couldn't have been more fucking tense as a result. Some scenes were allowed to play out in a single take to give the impression that we're right there in the room with the characters as they begin to focus in on the truth of their situation. It also creates a greater sense of immersion in the world as we see the characters expertly perform the mundanity of their everyday jobs without the aid of a well-timed cut to hide an actor's incompetence. For ten solid minutes we see Faye operate her switchboard whilst trying to record this odd otherworldly sound, and although her job isn't the focus of the scene, the very fact that we can see the actors perform it gives the film an incredible sense of authenticity. Did the camera slowly pan in during these moments to subtly give us the sensation that we're leaning closer into a conversation that was really taking place? 
I can't be sure, because by the end of these scenes, I was so close to the fucking television as it was, that I was one step away from pushing my face right through the fucking screen, like James Woods in fucking Videodrome. Occasionally, the screen would even cut to black, as though to highlight the emotion of the performance and the power of their words being spoken. Well, either that or I was getting so into the movie that I accidentally experienced a minor fucking stroke, and now I'm now crediting the filmmakers with a technique that they never actually employed. But whether this cut to black was a medical emergency, or a directorial flourish, there's no denying how effective it was. The Vast of Night is essentially the retelling of a very familiar story, but that's done so in a hugely effective and exhilarating way. Imagine the opening 10 minutes to a film like Close Encounters, but with those events stretched out to around 90-ish minutes, and you're not too far off what this movie is. In the way that it takes a recognisable narrative and infuses it with such real characters, and having utilised such a wealth of cinematic approaches, perhaps the closest film I can think to compare this to is Gareth Edwards' low-key 2010 sci-fi monsters. Like 2010's masterpiece, that 2010 masterpiece, The Vast of Night also finds ways of highlighting our contemporary issues in its use of marginalised voices as a plot point. Some people have had suspicions as to what might be going on within the world of this film for some time, but because they're all either black or women, they've found themselves silenced and ignored until now. The film was self-funded by the first-time director Andrew Patterson off the back of a series of adverts that he'd previously made a living from directing. In which case, I think the film needs celebrating even more for using the swinging dick of evil that is the advertising industry to not only make such a great movie, but for also making one that gives a voice to those who have often found themselves being denied one. As I watched this film, I found myself filled with what that same nervous energy might have been to a lone conquistador as he discovered a lost city of gold, or even a rogue alcoholic that's broken free of their support group and decided to end it all in one final destructive bender. I loved this movie so much that I almost feel as though the vast of night is a part of me now, and like that single breath mint that stuck right up my dick, I can feel that this has well and truly gotten under my skin. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.